Warning. This is a world of heroes and villains, of adventure and adversity, of love and death. The characters portrayed in these stories come from varied walks of life, not all of them healthy, and the journey ahead is dangerous. Sessions may include strong language, suggestive situations, alcohol or drug use, depictions of violence against anyone and everyone, speciesism, classism, social elitism, self-harm, slavery, and death of characters or NPCs. The world can be a dark place, and sometimes bad things happen to good people. If these things make you uncomfortable, you may want to consider alternative listening, but ultimately, only you can decide whether or not this is the show for you. If it isn't, you're under no obligation to say, we hope you find what you're looking for. If it is, then we hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, everybody. I am the narrator. Welcome to Venadia Origins, an Ordonian tale. And uh, today we're going to, uh, well, why don't we just let you introduce yourself? Uh, hi there, everybody. Uh, my name is uh, Professor Halted Honeycomb uh, the Fourth. Uh, this, uh, this is a strange arrangement, but I'm assuming it's just a figment of my imagination. So, um, we, a lot to talk about to, uh, to unpackage, uh, Halstead, uh, your life and the, the things that you've experienced, um, being, uh, Danuki puts you in a position of, uh, coming from places that are very small and not always the most expanded mindsets. Um, and also being a demi-human means that you are a recipient of some rather unpleasant stigmas and receptions from uh, the more common races. Um, but I'd like to I'd like to start where um, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about you, you know your home and where you come from. But um, I, I would like rather than speak to the polished and proper Halstead Honeycomb the fourth graduate of the uh, of the academics the teacher of herbalism and all things related to plants and all that I would like to hear a little bit about this story from Mama Tulips for a little boy oh. uh, are the others around? no you're good uh, well, uh, oh, gosh, uh, well, uh, uh, what would you like to know? Well, so, I know that the, the traditionally, Danukis don't name their villages because they're the less chance of them showing up on a map or being something memorable like that, the less chance they have of, uh, poachers and people with less than upright uh, mentalities and uh, moralities finding them. Uh, so tell us about what it was like. You're the youngest of four on Honeycomb Farm, um, possessor of the gift, the uh, ancestral passed down uh, amidst your family's origin. Um, just why don't you... Why don't you just tell them a little bit, tell our audience a little bit about where you come from? Uh, well, uh, it's a, it's a modifon farm. Uh, it's about a, a good couple, uh, it's a good couple of hundred acres, you know, nothing to, uh, keep your nose up at. Uh, and, you know, we, uh, we specialize in a lot of, uh, grains, uh, beasts of burden, uh, and of course, uh, we specialize in, in honeycomb, uh, as well as, uh, other, uh, honey product, cause we made our first start in, uh, beekeeping. Uh, but, um, uh, it was, you know, generally, a, a happy place where, uh, folks got along and everything, and, uh, uh, well, uh, 
Yeah. We could always find ourselves ways of getting into trouble. And, uh, of course, we were all capable of, you know, uh, manipulating gravity in ways that, uh, that were considered useful. You know, pushing uh, heavy farm equipment and uh, uh, using it to uh, gather up fence posts for when we uh, acquired more acreage. Uh, but then, then came the day that, uh, well, a job that would take uh, all three of my brothers and my father to do, uh, I was able to do by myself when I was able to lift uh, five of our tractors all at once. Uh, that's how, uh, that's how it became known that I, uh, that I had the gift. <laughs> I imagine, uh, your father, Hansel, was, uh, pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah, Daddy always, uh, uh, I swear, Daddy lifted me so high that I thought I was gonna stay up in the air for a good while, but, uh, nah, he sure was proud. Well, that's, you know, it's natural for parents to be happy when they see themselves reflected in their children. Um, Benjamin would have uh, not been the choice for the farm initially, would he have? Uh, no, not usually. Uh, uh, Big Ben, uh, no, he's a, he was a real hard worker, but uh, tradition, or family tradition, would have dictated that the one with the gift gets the farm, and uh, he uh, he really wasn't too uh, keen on the fact that his littlest brother went ahead and got that uh, got the gift that he was expecting. Certainly, and uh, well, he certainly couldn't vent his frustrations on you, the gifted one. He had to find uh, an allegory. He had to find something else to target, and. What better than the thing that mattered most to you at that point? Yeah. Yeah. How long had you been raising Hercules? Oh, I raised him up since since he was just a little grub. Uh, you know, I found him. Uh, uh, he was a good couple of months old. You know, he was a. He was a fat little squishy thing about the size of the palm of my paw. And, um, well, it, it had been a good couple of months. I raised him up to be uh, this gorgeous little Hercules beetle, and his coat, like his little fur was shiny. His little antenna would do a little happy dance when he'd see me, and, and his carapace was the shiniest of all others. But, but then, um, and then Benjamin got to him. That must have been devastating for you. To see not just Ben, but to see Nathaniel and Samuel all in on it to some capacity. Perhaps not as aggressively dedicated to punishing you for being gifted. But nonetheless... Um, able uh, able observers and people who did not put a hand up. Um, did you have a good relationship with your brothers before the gift? Uh, typically, yeah. You know, uh, we were able to... Uh, you know, we got along pretty well. You know, uh, uh, we would play together. We'd uh, have games. But, you know, then it came to the time where the moment it showed that I was different, that's when I got treated differently by them. So, um, you have the gift, and Benjamin had worked so hard to show your father that he could take the farm, that he could handle the responsibility because it wasn't something you wanted. Right. And... What did you want to do? Me? I wanted to do, uh... I wanted to do anything else, you know? I just... I love to read, and... I wanted to... Go check out all these far-off places that... 
all the others would just talk about in, in books and <sighs> that's what I wanted but well mama and daddy just wanted me to stay on the farm well mama especially no, of course you were the baby. And Luann was very... Would you say she was uh, very coddling of you? Oh, boy. Yeah, no. Yeah, she uh, she would make sure that everybody would know that I was baby and that, well, she, the moment I got the gift, she was showing off trying to make sure that Oh, that, oh, look at my boy. He's able to do this and how talented he is. And of course, he's so smart. And, and it got exhausting after a while. So, is that what it was like? You wanted to do something different and your entire family was just on you, expecting you to follow tradition? Well, Mama, for the most part, she was all about tradition. Uh, I didn't get all that much from Daddy. Uh, he would be the one to say, uh, like, if he would catch me reading, he would just keep letting me read, pat me on the head, bring me an apple or two just to snack on. Uh, uh, Sam didn't really care much. He would just leave me alone and, well, Nate always did his own thing, uh, but always got support, but... Uh, Big Benjamin would always make a snide remark, you know, just... And there were a lot of times where my books would end up over in the pig pen. Difficult, especially given how hard they were to come by. The printing yeah. word is still, I mean, still such a precious commodity, but even back then when your access to traders was fairly limited... Um... Do you think it was because of your, uh, because of Tallulah that you managed to get as many books as you did? She seemed like she nurtured your desire to learn. Yeah. Mama, too, was always real nice. She'd always sneak me away whenever, like, whenever we'd have to do chores, and she'd always show me, like, a neat little trick or two, and she would always tell me, now, don't you mind them houses. Now you do what makes you happy because when you do what you love, you're not working a day in your life. That's good words to come by. Oh, so yeah. it was difficult, the conflict with your siblings and everything, but that wasn't what led you to leave home to leave home in the end, was it? Uh, it was one of the things, but not ultimately. I mean, it did help that daddy was, that daddy was helping me and encouraging me, but that, that really wasn't what got me to leave. Talking about, um, Handsome Huck. Gosh, Handsome Huck. I, <laughs> that's a, that is a name that I haven't heard in a good while. Um... I know that uh, it's not uncommon to find same-sex partnerships in, in a lot of the other places. The world is fairly open about it. What was it like um, in the village um, telling, you know, a conf telling others that you, you loved, that you were attracted to men instead of women, as was also tradition? Oh, well... It wasn't all that hard, you know, uh, uh, I mean, generally, uh, us Tanuki, you know, we find pleasure where pleasure begets, and especially in our village, you know, if that's your stroke, then that's for your folks, you know, but, uh, but of course, you know, with the more, uh, traditionalists like Mama, it was all about Finding the right girl, finding the right girl from the right family, making sure that they have the good amount of land, to make sure that you have big land and you have lots and lots of little babies running around. So, but, uh, but I never really got to tell all that many people just because, 
It always seemed that Mama was trying to have a plan for me, so I I couldn't tell almost anyone. Just Heather? Yeah. Heather was always real sweet. Heather Hollyhock was probably your best friend for a long time. No judgments to be made, no preconceived notions, whatever you wanted to do, just the ability to have companionship and probably in some ways uh, an appreciated companionship because you were safe. There was no risk of um, attention that way. Yeah, of course. I mean... I mean, me, Huck, and Hollyhock, we were the, we were the hat trick trio, you know? <laughs> We'd always go off and, uh, uh, see what, uh, see what stuff we could find in the woods, uh, go bug hunting and, uh, go fishing in the stream and, but, uh, but especially with Heather, she, uh, she was always the one that I could be my most self with. And, you know, she was, she was genuinely happy for me. And that felt... Well, that felt awfully nice. Um, and that happiness extended when you told her how you felt about Huck? Oh. It, it kind of went like that. See, I still didn't have the... I still didn't exactly have the courage to tell her who I had a crush on. Just told her that I had a crush on a boy and how and how I was hoping to confess and everything and you know she was she was genuinely happy for me and she said that she was feeling feelings for another boy too and well I was cheering for her and she was cheering for me and well she told me to go for it and I told her to do the same and you decided to do that one rough day after uh, around the same time that uh, uh, Ben decided to put the foot down on your recreational activities. Yeah. Yeah. You went out to, uh, to, to embrace that part of yourself, to talk about that, what you needed to get off your chest. And discovered that you and Miss Hollyhock had a lot more in common than you thought you did. Yeah. She, um... uh, I don't blame her. I don't blame her at all. I mean, Huck was... Huck was a catch. I mean, he was tall. Even for... Even for uh, Danuki, he was tall. He was strong, handsome, and... Unavailable. At least... At least to me. Did you ever blame her for that? How could I? I mean... Heather was... Heather was perfect. I mean... She was gorgeous. She... But not in the gaudy way, but could have kind of smile. She could have picked anyone, and well, she she picked Huck, and Huck picked her right back. And boy, did he, boy, did he pick her. I mean, I walked in on the. I mean, did they have to do it in front of our? I walked over to our treehouse and there they were going at it the privacy of nature yeah that would be what put an end to you staying home kind of felt like my whole world was crashing around me my my friends had a place all to themselves that I wasn't invited to, and I couldn't exactly go home. Home didn't feel like home to me, especially when 
especially when your oldest brother that someone you're supposed to look up to goes and goes and crushes your pet I mean who does that he didn't do nothing wrong he was just a good little bug just a different value system did you decide at that moment that it was time to change you needed to go somewhere else well I did and you know uh, just a few days before that happened daddy was daddy was bringing me all kinds of brochures from universities and telling me how I should uh, that if I was serious that I should apply for scholarships and and well I I went and did that and left before you got any final say on the matter just in desperate dire need of a change which is understandable you were at that point of moving on and looking to start your life anyway looking for a change and um, what a change Farvale turned out to be you hopped on a boat tiny little furry Danuki on a ship full of men and elves and everything else under the sun sailed around the bend and put yourself out in Farvale what was that like for you child of a tiny little town without a name to walk into the second largest city in Ordon gosh it was it was terrifying I felt like at least back over in the village you know I felt like a big fish in a in a you know in a small pond then all of a sudden I felt like a little fish in the ocean you know uh but uh it was it was exciting I was seeing all kinds of people I didn't think I'd never be able to see I saw people with wings that were flying in the air I saw I saw people that were three times my size just walking around like it was nothing I also saw a lot of people who uh, decided that you weren't entitled to the same kind of rights as they were yeah yeah that was that was mighty rough tell us about the first time that you went to to an to an inn to a pub to an to an inside eatery well, uh, first time I I went in and uh, you know I I asked some uh, I, I introduced myself. I said, "Hi there, my name's uh, my name's Halstead, and uh, I, I was looking if, to see if you had a room available." And uh, well, they they said that they didn't have room for rodents, and uh, and I I got a swick a swift kick under my tail and got booted out. Yeah. Took a while before I found an inn that would be willing to take me in. Only they told me I needed to stay in the broom closet. As yeah. a challenge how uh, little integration exists for demi-humans. Even in major cities like that you you hear stories about how they're they're accommodating and open and it's a city with big minds and big ideas and big open thoughts and and then a little Danuki in his Sunday best little cotton trousers and backpack slung over his shoulder doing the uh, yeah the little fre- the little freshy walk <laughs> sitting there trying to make your best shiningest impression on a on a people who treat you like you're not a person yeah and that was especially that was really rough because all that happened before I even got to the school. I mean, I thought people were mean, but kids could be really mean too. And then 
let's talk about something. Let's talk about where things got better. Let's talk about Eva Sisteria. Oh, Professor Eva. Yeah, she was... Oh, gosh, she was the first real teacher to take a chance on me. Uh, I went around all campus and and, you know, trying to sign up for different electives and then that's where I see her, this this gorgeous elven woman, tan skin and oh, wild hair. Uh, uh, she has all these different plants around her. She had arcane roses and and uh, like of all these different colors that I never knew that you could make them. So, um, was what what it, what impressed you most about her in your first meeting? Was it the uh, was it the fact that she looked at you and she knew how strong the gravity power your your natural attunement was, or was it the guy who called you a filthy pelt? And then all of a sudden he was screaming for his life when there was a 50-foot-long black starry night shark bearing down on him across the uh, university courtyard. Uh, I'd say it was a, I'd say it was a combo of both. <laughs> uh, that was a, that was definitely uh I mean, I, I was, I was scared out of my mind too. I mean, there was a giant shark floating in the air. And then there was a woman standing there looking at you, going, "What are you, what are you doing? Get off the ground!" I said, "Okay." <laughs> By uh, academic standards, Professor Sisteria was decorated, well known. Undeniably brilliant and arguably certifiable. Not a traditional mindset, but that seemed like it worked for you. No, I mean, I mean, she was, well, she was one hell of a woman. And I just wanted to, well, I just, I just knew that I could, I could, you know, get along with them. So that studying under her, and then eventually getting your, uh, your own uh, academic credits, getting a position at Seven Stars Academy was what turned around for you. That was. When did you, uh, when did you lose your accent? Uh. Well, um, you know, the, the professor did everything she could to stop the teasing, but that was all the ones that she could see, and, um, well, kids can still be mean, and teachers, too, where they would say, well, we can't understand your Danuki accent, and, uh, well, you know, he only got that scholarship because, you know, just... They need outreach over in the country bumpkins and, well, people, you know, they would just automatically assume that I was dumb just because the way I talked and, well, I mean, there were days where I just had to keep an illusion up of just this happy smiling little face and then the moment I would go back to my room, I would, I would bust out into tears. So, I'd sit in front of my mirror and I'd, uh, I'd listen to myself talk until eventually I got over into a, an accent that came off as appealing and, uh, and cute. And, uh, well, people, uh, people are less likely to make fun of you if you, uh, if you say, Hi there, uh, my name is Alfred Honeycomb before, and it's lovely to meet you. And, and Did you ever correct just... your father on the whole nomenclature of you being the fourth no my my daddy was a my daddy was a wise man he just 
It just wasn't a real smart one. So, uh, and you are the fourth born. Yeah, there's, there's no, uh, there's, there ain't nobody, uh, there ain't nobody else in my family named Halstead. He, he literally just thought that, uh, that you named your kids a number after they're born. Like Benjamin was first, Samuel was second, Nate was third. Halstead. And it eventually got to the point where, you know, the, the house mama would say, uh, you know, that's not how that works, right? And he said, what? So no uh, little five waiting for you back home? Oh, oh, oh my, oh gosh. Uh, honestly, um, honestly, I, uh, oh, honestly, I, I don't know. I haven't, um, it's, it's been a long time since I, uh, since I talked with my folks or my family. When you, uh, twist yourself to fit the lens of the society you school in it, you, uh, look back and find that you're not the person who left home anymore. You've changed quite a bit. Yeah. I, um... That, and, you know, you found... A very good reason to uh, stay. You know, um, the professor, your your collegiate associate, um, took you to nice restaurants when she needed to get faced, and taught you how what to she? get faced right along with her. And... Oh yeah, and, and uh, uh, she she can still. I, I'm pretty like not that. Uh, she she can drink like grown soldiers, sailors, and uh, even knights under the table, and she'd still just call them pansies and just keep on slinging them back. Meanwhile, I'm just there, one shot glass, and I'm I'm sloshed. I want to take you back to a moment where everything changed. There, standing there uh, with the professor. Having drinks at the Tipsy Bard, adequately named restaurant. <laughs> um, when uh, you went up to the bar to uh, you went up to the bar to get yourself a shot to get the professor her sixth or seventh. Um, had to hover yourself up to get to the top of one of the bar stools. Mm -hmm. um, standing there, kind of waving your hand, trying to get the bartender's attention. When that big frame slumped down onto the bar next to you and said, Excuse me, little man. Barkeep, I need five of your finest for myself and my associates. That big, gnarled, muscular jaw, those white teeth, and those icy blue eyes dressed up button down shirt sleeves rolled up almost looking like they're ready to burst over the curve of the biceps in his arms <sighs> what went through your mind the first time you saw Tiberius Bortnik the first time I saw Tiberius I oh golly gee I thought, I thought, this is the most beautiful creature I've ever seen in my whole life. Big, tall, strong, and just gorgeous. And rude. Very rude. Stepping over your head like that to get his, to get his drinks for him and his friends. Watching, that guy. <laughs> watching him walk back to the table, him and his two other men, associates <laughs> from Borton and Construction, and uh, the four or five women that were there leaning on him, giggling <sighs> appropriately at every joke, one clinging to each bicep like she was adrift in the ocean. 
Yeah. Yeah. He was he sure was popular. And you know, at first I thought to myself, you know, what a what a tool. You know, and but uh but then there was always that uh I would just <sighs> shoot, I was getting obsessed with them. Well, you, you know, know they're it was the the Bortnik family had its connections. His father Anatole had, you know, real legitimate pull with the local nobles, and lots of money, lots of influence. And uh, Tiberius had a reputation as somebody who got things done. Well, yeah, he was he was always the deal maker. You know, he would. Uh, he would tell me how, you know, there would be, uh, there'd be, uh, strikes going on and they would just send him over there and everything would just get fixed, you know, uh, it only took a good afternoon and just a quiet conversation. Not that I ever saw them. Nobody uh, saw but, them. Oh, no. Yeah. Come to, well. I just assume that, you know, like with meetings like that, you need the utmost privacy. But I guess that's how it goes. Uh, and uh, those nights at the bar became a thing for you. Going down yeah. into the with the professor to have a few drinks. Um, getting yourself, you know, at first intimidated by him. I mean... You know, not don't feel bad. Everybody was intimidated by Tiberius. He just had that effect on a room. That's um, true. But you know, the, those moments where the alcohol would get in your system, and uh, Eva would notice the way you would lean over, or uh, the way your fur would ruffle when he would lean in and he would say things. When he would when he would flirt with the girls there. Sitting, you know, sit, sitting at the bar there, watching him, trying desperately not to look like you're watching, but I mean, intoxicated, clearly watching as he leans over to some cheap girl who's got more breasts than she has IQ. Yeah, I and mean... in the in, in the, the 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 noise of the room that I've been looking for a pet. Perhaps you would look good in a collar. And nothing else. And that 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 way, your fur bristles when he does that. It just it wasn't right. It wasn't fair. But I mean, how the hell are you gonna do that to somebody? I mean, damn. Just uh, and then um, and I would just. I just didn't know what it was back at the time, you know. Uh, uh, I would, uh, I mean, he was big, he was rude, he was arrogant, he was cocky. Yeah. I mean, you know, Eva told Eva said it yourself. You said it to yourself. She said, you know, he's beautiful. He's huge. He's problematic. I mean, you know, he's not somebody you want to marry. I mean, you know, maybe somebody you want to get really, really, really drunk with for a weekend or three, but not not the marrying kind. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you were thinking it too. I mean, well, well I mean, dang. <laughs> ah, but, um... So, so how long was it before you finally worked up the nerve to talk to him? Well, um, you know, I was, uh, there was a, it was a, it was a hot summer night, you know, uh, uh, and, uh, the tipsy bar, you know, they just, uh, they just unveiled a patio, you know, and, uh, uh, I was, I was just waiting and, but for some reason, you know, uh, the barriers hadn't shown up at his, uh, at his usual time. And, you know, uh, and it just so happened, you know, uh, right across the road, uh, the, his dad's, uh, construction company was working on the building. And, uh, then of course I see him, he's making his way over, but, and 
I swear, it looked like our eyes were set on each other for a moment because it looked like he was walking right towards me. But, and then I, I don't know what it was, but like, I felt something and I looked up and I just see, well, the, uh, the rope must have snapped on one of the machines holding a bunch of those steel girders and I don't know what took over me, but instinct took over me and I ran to him. I ran straight at him and you threw uh, yourself at him and used your power to push you both out of the way when it came down. Yeah. And he just that sudden flash, that confusion when somebody, you know, almost an eighth of your size hits you full bodied and you move for some reason you're not expecting. And then all of a sudden, several hundred pounds of construction material come down. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> and uh, you're both sitting there in the wreckage of it all. And he looks at, he looked at you. And his eyes got wide and went, you're bleeding. Just, just a little on the side of your head from getting grazed. And before you could say anything, he just grabbed you up. And that deep sonorous purr he held you to his chest like that in the middle of everything with the magistrate coming up and the, the crowd gathering from the crash and the alarm and him just sitting there holding you purring it was it was the first time uh, it was the first time another man will Another man aside from my daddy or my brothers or my uncles, you know, aside from family, decided to hold me. It was not. It was uh, confusing for him to have been somebody always surrounded by women, a symbol of power, to be confronted by feelings for someone, another man. But it uh, it helped when Anatole commanded him to bring you to the house. And you saw him like his... Anatole had been a, a big man like Tiberius in his youth, but now is old and smaller. And his, his amber fur had gone to gray. But he still had that king's gaze in his eye, that that promise that if you said or did the wrong thing, you wouldn't live long enough to apologize for it. And uh, it sure was. Uh, Tibby gave me a Tibby gave me a lot of warnings on the what to do, what to say, how to say it, and uh, but one of the things that you know, when we first met and it just kept on bothering me was he would call me Mr. Honeycomb, Mr. Honeycomb, Mr. And it got to the point where I just flat out said it. I said, it's doctor. And Tiberius almost shit himself just a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what possessed me, but, you know, I, I told him, like, with all due respect, Mr. Beltnick, I... Uh, it's Dr. Honeycomb, and, uh, and I, uh, I worked real hard for that degree, and I believe I deserve to be referred to as such. And the old man lowered himself down, you know, brought himself down to your face. Huge. The mouth that could open so wide that he could snap your whole head in it. And he said, uh, you have um, a very big pair of stones. You come to my house, you tell me what I am to call you. I respect uh. that, Dr. Honeycomb. The slap on the back. Tiberius <laughs> is immediate, just... 
<laughs> Exhalation. You became part of that family pretty quickly. I mean, Anatole, you saved his boy for that. He was eternally grateful, but he saw right away that Tiberius became somebody different with you. He relaxed. He wasn't... You don't even know that side of him. But Mm -hmm. he became a different being in your presence. And um, when uh, Tiberius brought you your lunch at the university, kneeled down in front of you while you were on your stool in front of students and everyone and the gods themselves and asked you to make him the happiest fell pool alive. I had jumped so high, like I, my head nearly touched the, 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 the ceiling and those, those, those rooms are a good 50 feet tall, but and uh gosh, we uh it was the best day of my life. It's a good day. You Great and day. Tiberius have been together for how many years? Uh eight so far. Uh, it'll strong. be nine come it'll be nine in next bayless. It's a good uh it's a good strong foundation for a relationship. Well, Is thank it you. Is it hard traveling for work and leaving him behind? It was. It, it is. Uh, me and... I mean, Professor Ava, you know, she was... She was the one to uh, send me over there and... and but... Tiberius was also the one to push me out there. And he told me to go show the world what what his little bumblebee was capable of to do what you came here to do bumblebee gosh Tibby so you traveled even further from home across uh, Ordone and over the Dragonspine path caught a ship in Iraz and traveled all the way over to Miradini to survey, to to figure out what happened to the trees, to have what happened to the city over there. Right. And over the Dragon Spine Pass when uh, when the bandits attacked and the wagon got set. Um Um, when you uh, when uh, you when the wagon was beset, going over the Dragon Spine Pass, and you ran into the band of mercenaries they stationed up there, your uh, gravity magic was essential. They were most appreciative of you lending a hand there to deal with the bandits and to keep the people in the wagon safe. It felt good to be able to help and not just be on the sideline, you know. Well, you prove that. And you've proved it again multiple times. You know, with this new ragtag group you've attached yourself to from Miradini. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, what's that like for you? They're very different from the kind of people you've ever associated with. Oh, they're, they're real different. Um... You know, uh, the first person, I guess I should go in order, uh, meaning, meaning Rocker, I mean, uh, uh, he kind of reminded me a bit of, uh, he reminded me a bit of Tiberius, you know, uh, strong looking, you know, uh, doesn't take crap from nobody, well, we, we kind of proved that wrong real quick, but, uh, but, Overall, the good and honorable man, and that's someone that I could appreciate. Then there was, then there was Dunce, a uh, big old sweet boy, and uh, I invited him over to our table because you know I'm I'm used to being around uh, people 
twice my size and well you know and he looked awful lonely and well, I'm glad to have gotten to know him I worry about him uh, with this whole thing with Claxton but overall I know he's a good boy but something tells me he's hurt awful bad and there was Sersha uh you know she's a uh, She's, uh, she was quiet at first, you know, uh, uh, but, you know, we, we started talking a bit, and, uh, she's, she's funnier than what she gives herself credit for, you know? <laughs> uh, oh, well, uh, I, I did wish that I could have helped her save her arm, but that rock arm she's got sure is handy. <laughs> I made a joke! <laughs> uh, but, um, no, d don't tell her that. She might not like that. Uh, then there's, then there's A. Uh, A sure is my best friend. Uh, she's, she's helped me out, uh, back when I was, when I was on the brink. And, and thank the gods that we have hope now because I, I put myself in danger way too often, but it's awful good to know that I could rely on them and, and the rest of them. Along with Isaac and Gideon and well Well this this little Danuki ain't so lonely anymore. That's a good way to be. Yeah. So how long before you think you're gonna tell your friends the truth about who you are and where you come from? Well, judging, judging by the way that our course is going, it's, it's gonna have to be awful soon. But, um, but I think that, I think that it'll be okay. It's a scary situation we're going into, but if there's anybody I want to go down with, I think it's I think it's going to be this crew right here. I think that's a good way to look at it. Mm. Okay, I think that's... I think we've taken up enough of your time this evening, Dr. Professor Halstead Honeycomb IV. <laughs> I would like to thank you for joining us tonight and for sharing your story with our audience. Well, it was mighty fun, and thank you very much for having me. And, uh... I think we'll say good night. Good night, Internet. We love you. And please go home tonight and treat yourself to a bubble bath. Baby. <laughs> good night, Internet. We love you. Good night. <laughs>